Well, can you believe it's the last Sunday in February? I can't. And uh, the, the older we get, the faster we say the time flies. And, and that is absolutely the truth. And so as we approach our message today, let's pray. God, thank you so much for our worship thus far. And Lord, uh, you have been showing us in your word how we can enhance our love life for you, Lord, uh, through the scriptures. And so as we continue, or finish this series today, may it be glorifying to you. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, at this point, I'm sure most of, if not all of the Valentine's Day candy is gone. Uh, most of the flowers are probably wilted, and I am sure, I have not noticed, but I am sure that Easter baskets are in full effect in stores by now. But uh, as time moves on, so do we. But as, as we finish up our series on love, I want us to look at, this morning, the power of your first love. The power of your first love. Now, I don't know about you, but I think advertising companies that make commercials for Geico, they are either geniuses or crazy. Since before the Super Bowl, they've been hosting this website and this idea where you can go to the best of their commercials and vote on which ones are your favorite. And so I don't know if you've noticed it, but there's been a lot of their older commercials that have been aired. Have y'all noticed that? Huh? All right, good. Two of you. But as as those commercials come on, I know a lot of you don't listen to commercials, and, and I try not to, but some of these are just infectious. And, and uh, you know, whether it be the first one I believe they, they made or they ever did was two squirrels that caused an accident, and they started high-fiving each other in the road. But then my favorite one is the camel walking through the office. What day is it? Come on. My, 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 my. What day is it? Hump day. And then he just, uh, ha- how happy does it make him? He says, happier than a camel on hump day. Now, many of us would not remember that for an insurance commercial, but the, the thing that, that I want to resonate with you this morning is that I love the way that they led up to this by saying, look, you can go to this website or whatever and vote on the best ones. And so all they have done is they have re-ran the commercials that people first fell in love with. That's the thing about our first loves is that it reminds us of a greater time. That's why when, unfortunately, you get old enough to hear the DJ say, okay, we're going to spend some classics from 20 years ago. And you realize that's your classic. That you are now a fossil listening to the radio. But when you hear those songs, when you, uh, when you remember those times, those places where you heard those songs and those relationships, it's like it brings it all back. And so as we look today, remembering your first loves is important. Not only in which commercials you fell in love with or which songs or movies you fell in love with, but remembering your first love. It is crucial with your walk with God, is to remember your first love. It's not only important for your, your walk with God in the bigger sense, it's important in the daily living that we have as well. So as we conclude our serious series on love for the month of February, I think it's important for us to remember our first love. And I'm going to give you a few different passages today. The first one I want us to look at is in 1 John chapter 4. 
1 John chapter 4, the anchor verse is in verse 9. And, and by the way, if you uh, have a smart device, you can pull up the Bible app on your smart device. The outline is there uh, or it'll be on the screen or you can just take notes. There's a Bible in the pew in front of you. But as we are thinking about our first love, when I say that, some of you may be thinking about a relationship that you've had. Some of you might be thinking about the first time you had an Oreo cookie. Man, that was love, wasn't it? But I think once we finish the sermon, you'll, you'll get the point that, that I'm trying to make. It says in 1 John chapter 4, the key verse, anchor verse is verse 9, but I'm going to start in verse 7. It says, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love God or anyone who does not love does not know God. For God is love. And then verse 9, God showed, underline show, circle showed, highlight showed, bold showed in your notes. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son. Again, one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. God is love and he first loved us. God is love. And he first loved us before you were even conceived by your mother and your father. God loved you. God knew you. And God had a plan for you. So even though you didn't know it then and you may not understand it fully now. God loves you whether you like it or not. God loves you and he is your first love. And he is my first love. And you and I as believers are commanded to love. The word love in here, as we said a little bit last week, was it's an agape love. It's a, a brotherly love. In other words, we're, we're in this world together. If you've ever been a part of an organization like maybe in, in the military or public servants and, or just been through some tough times with a key set of people that have been in life and death situations, there is a bond that forms. There is a brotherhood that forms. That's why when you see funerals of military personnel that have passed, you see all of that pomp and circumstances, police officers, firefighters, EMTs. That is a brotherhood. We know that if one goes, we all go. That type of brotherhood and that same type of brotherhood should be and it's commanded to be part of the Christian experience. When there is a brother or sister in Christ that is killed for their faith overseas, they have just killed our brother and sister. Yet we just click next, or we flip the commercial, or we don't want to think about it. John's overall theme in this letter is love. He used the word love 43 times in this one letter. And he reminds you and I that due to the fact that Jesus loved us to the point of sacrificing himself for our sins, we are commanded to love him and love others. But being a believer does not make you exempt 
from loving others. It requires you to love them. (laughs) Even the difficult ones. Even the ones that disappoint you. Even the ones that stab you in the back. Even the ones that spit and mock at you just like they did with Jesus when he was on the cross. Being a believer does not make you exempt from loving others. It commands you to love others. He says in Matthew 22, verses 37 through 39, Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. Folks, if you truly love God, If you truly love God, you are going to love your neighbor. Now look, I don't want to get on a side rant and chase a rabbit about politics, about gun control, about drag queens leading story times in schools. You can get enough of that by turning on your TV. I don't care whether you are a Trump fan or a Trump critic or whatever party you ascribe to. That's fine. I ascribe to this party. And I vote what this says. And I believe in what this says. And if you want to spend all of your energy telling people why they are wrong, why don't you spend that energy trying to love them? Not accepting it. Not going with it and being tolerant and not saying a word, but loving them enough to lovingly have a relationship with them in the purpose of telling them the truth. i got news for you. They know what they're doing is seen by wrong by other people. They've had plenty of people tell them why they are wrong and show them every verse in the Bible why they are wrong. But very few people have shown them love. You are here today because someone has showed you love. And loving others, regardless of what they wear, regardless of their orientation, regardless of their political affiliation, and regardless of what their Facebook wall says, is a command by God to love one another. Jesus is and will always be your true first love. I want you to understand this. You will never, you may think that you're in love. You may think that you've experienced a love relationship, but you will never know love. True love, like the love of Jesus Christ. He is our first love. Like it said in verse 9 and 10, God showed you how much he loves you by sending his one and only son. What we see here is love is two things. Love is two things. Number one, love is not a feeling. What's that song? I'm hooked on her. Okay, that's not love. And y'all shouldn't know that. That's a secular song. But all joking aside, love and feeling and puppy dogs and kitten videos and all of these great things that are so cute. Love is not a feeling. Love is an action. And the second thing is, a godly love is a demonstrated love. I can tell Donna I love her until the cows come home. But if I do not show her, it's a love without action. I can tell the church I love you, but if it is not seen in my actions, it is just words. And my friends, there are people that have given you a lot of words before and lip service about how much they have loved you and not even showed it. And quite honestly, you've probably done the same thing. 
because you and I are human. We're not perfect. But love is not a feeling. It's an action. And it's a demonstrated love. The second thing that we see is that your love is demonstrated by your loyalties. Your love is demonstrated by your loyalties. Now, I'm probably going to meddle here for a minute, but understand that I'm meddling with myself too. People do what they want to do. You have made a priority for some reason to be here in God's house today. And I pray that God honors you for that. There will always be pressures and influencers that seek to grab your attention and devotion. There are a gazillion dollars spent every year to advertising firms to try to get the money out of your wallet. But honestly, you choose how to spend your time. You choose how to spend your money. And you choose where to put your effort. God gives every single one of us the same 24 hours in a day. So what we do with it is a matter of our will, of our devotion, and most importantly, a matter of love. What we love. If we love ourselves, most of our time will be spent serving ourselves. If we love others, most of our time will be spent serving others. If we love God, most of our time will be spent in some way serving God. It doesn't mean that everyone in here is going to be a missionary or a pastor. There may be some here. But I know this, is that Matthew six twenty four says, No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. Too many believers today are serving two masters. It may be you're serving God, but you're also serving work. Hey, preacher, you don't understand. I got to put food on my table for my family. I got to work. If I don't work, we don't eat. And if we don't eat, we don't come to church. And you better be lucky I'm working because I'm going to give you a little bit of tithe of what I'm doing on that too. Look, I, I don't care about that. What I care about is the fact, is God your first love? And is he one of many things or is he the main thing? You cannot serve God and work. You cannot serve God and your bank accounts. You cannot serve God and your family. Take it from Jesus who knows something about this. Jesus says, you can try to, but it is impossible. Not my words, his words. Because if you are serving two masters, you are trying to please two masters at once. What happens when you and I do that? It brings on frustration. It brings on grief. It brings on animosity. Man, I cannot believe that I've got to do all of this. I'm working all the time just from paycheck to paycheck. And why do I work all the time and have nothing to show for it? Or why have I done all of that I can to keep my kids good kids and to raise them and to keep them busy with sports and academics to keep their grades up in church when they want to go? And then you wonder what happens when they get older and they won't even come anywhere near the church. Jesus said, forget it. It cannot be done. If you have anything other than God as your first love, it will diminish your love for God 
and your love for others. You cannot love God and love others while you hold on to your checkbook balance. You cannot love God and love others by holding on to your tradition or holding on to your comfort or holding on to your health. i got news for you. All of us are going to lose our health one day. Some of you are just further ahead on the curve. If Jesus said he can't do it, then it cannot be done. You may think you can beat this. What does Jesus know? But I assure you, his words, the statistics, and the physics prove that you cannot serve two masters. So stop trying. Even good things are still things that seek to master you. And, and read this carefully. Verse Chapter 10, verse 37 of Matthew, it says, If you love your father or mother more than you love me, you are not worthy of being mine. Or if you love your son or daughter more than me, you are not worthy of being mine. So what is Jesus saying here? That we need to hate our father and mother? Absolutely not. That is not what he is saying. Jesus is not encouraging rebellion or disobedience toward our parents and our family because that would totally contradict what he says elsewhere in Scripture. But what he is saying is, is he is saying that do not let your family keep you from following God's will. Do not let your family and good friends keep you from following God's will. Some of your family may encourage your walk and others, quite honestly, may not respect it and even resent it. it it's kind of hard for us to have a, a, a judgment on that right here because most of the time, if we tell our parents we're going to church, then, then they're happy for us and, and, and everything's great. But overseas and in other countries and even here in America, people from other countries, if they go back to their family and say, look, I've been converted to Christianity. They will say, you either denounce Christianity or we are going to beat you until you die. I'm not making that up. It's actual stories, documented stories of where there are people that are leaving their family, leaving their countries, leaving children, leaving husbands and wives of other faith to come here and leaving all of that to follow Jesus. Yes, it has cost them something. But he is at work. Don't let good things... Look, being a family man, being a family woman is important. You have to be that. you got to be a good mother. you got to be a good father. you got to be a good sister, brother, niece, nephew, and, and on down the line. But look, if your family time takes place of godly time, you're wrong. If your checkbook balance takes place of godly time, you're wrong. Anything that takes place of God's time is going to pull you in many directions. Do you wonder why you are so stressed out? i got news for you. You're never going to make enough money. You're never going to be healthy enough. There is never going to be a pill that you are going to take to make you feel like you were 18 again, regardless of what the infomercials say. God has sent His Son to be our first love. So we have, when we think about all of this, I would say we need to keep our priorities. And here are our priorities. God, God first, family second, 
your ministry, whatever it may be, third and then others. This is the, the priority of pattern. And my question would be, look at your checkbook, look at your calendar, look at these things that you do. Does this match up with where your priorities are? And, and if it doesn't, I'm going to tell you, no wonder you're stressed out. No wonder you can't keep a budget. No wonder there's never enough at the end of the month. You got the wrong place, the wrong people in the wrong places. Folks, do not let possessions possess you. I say this all the time. I have yet at any of my funerals seen a U-Haul attached to a coffin. I have seen families destroyed because they fought over what the dead family member left behind. And you know it because you've seen it. The possessions don't go with us. Don't let your possessions possess you. And don't let your relationships pull you away from your first love. The third thing that we see is that always remember your first love. Always remember it. The key verse, the anchor verse here is Revelation 2.4 in the back of your Bible. Uh, this is a letter to the church of Ephesus. And starting in verse 2 of chapter 2, it says, I know all the things you do. I've seen your hard work and your patient endurance. I know you don't tolerate evil people. You have examined the claims of those who say they are apostles, but are not. You have discovered they are liars. You have patiently suffered for me without quitting. I bet they're like, whoo, this is going to be pretty good. Yeah, we've been pretty good here. We're getting kind of the, the pat on the back. The church at Ephesus was doing all the right things. But as we find out in verse 4, they were doing it for the wrong reasons. Because he says, but I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. It doesn't matter what we do if we do it without love. God knows it. Look, if we serve this church and we try to get people to come in this church so we can feel better about our numbers and we can build a bigger building, that is the wrong reason. If we have people and invite people to church because we love them and we want them to hear the gospel and we want to see them give their life to Jesus Christ so that they can know the first true real love that they can find like we have found, then that is the right reason. But the church at Ephesus had lost its way. They were doing what they've always done. He said in verse 4, But I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Look how far you have fallen. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. If you don't repent, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place among the churches. Folks, doing godly things is not the same as loving people with a godly love. Doing godly things is no replacement for actually loving people with a godly love. A wife or husband may remain faithful and they may give evidence of careful attention to matters pertaining to one another. And yet there may be a decline in their first love. Similarly, in a church, a church member may be very regular in their attendance at services, but no amount of activity, however intense can compensate for a lack of love. Folks, God sees everything we do and don't do. God knows whether he is in first place in our life or in last place. God doesn't put up with 
best in show or Mr. Congeniality. He is first or he is not first. He is first or he is not first. You must make sure that your only interaction with God is is not just religious activities, but a true relationship of communication, trust, and dependence. Don't be a foxhole believer. You ever heard that term, there's no atheist in foxholes? When they're in a foxhole in the army or the whatever branch they're in, they're fighting, and bombs are going off everywhere, very rarely do you find an atheist in that foxhole. Everybody's going to believe in something. I was talking with uh, our Bible study class today at Bojangles and we were talking about loving the Lord and, 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 and thirsting for Him like uh, Psalm 63 talks about. And I told him about, uh, nobody here, but, but somebody from a, another church, some other relationships. Um, uh, they, I love them to death and they are great friends. But they only call when they want the preacher to pray for them. And I'll do it, and I don't mind. I love them as much as I would love anybody else. But the truth of the matter is they only call me when they need me. I hope that I don't do that with God. And I hope that you don't do that with God. Because He knows your heart. He knows your intentions. And He knows the place that you have put Him in, in your life. So how do you bring back that loving feeling as the Righteous Brothers used to sing about? John reminds the church of Ephesus that you and I can bring back that loving feeling. It says, your love for God will suffer as long as you refuse to take your sin seriously. What does he tell them to do? Repent and return. Let me ask you this. Think about the relationships you have right now. Maybe in relationships that you have had that have gone sour. Why did they fail? Why does, why does there become a lack of intimacy in a relationship? Nine times out of ten, it's because you don't want to own your part in the fault of it. I'm not saying it's all your fault. But I'm saying the reason that we suffer in our relationship with God and the reason that we suffer in our relationship with others is because we do not want to take our sins seriously. We don't want to own our stuff. And God says here, look, if you want to make me your first love, own your stuff, give it to me, I will forgive it, you can repent, and we can get on with our relationship. He hasn't left you. He's warning you to return to Him. So how do we do that? We remember the seriousness of your sin because that is where you experience the power of God's forgiveness. Remember the seriousness of your sin because that is where you experience the power of God's forgiveness. If you didn't come here today to deal with your sin, I'm sorry. But that would be like going to the store and not buying any bread. When we come to church, these kind of things come to the top. And the Holy Spirit hammers it, hammers us with it. And i got news for you. I've had to do it before I came here and tried to tell you about it. I'm not talking to you as somebody who is better than you. I've lived this. I know this. There have been times when God has not been my first love. And I'm a preacher. There are times when we seek the wrong things. But when we get busted for it, we repent, we, repent, we return 
and we are renewed. Revelation 2.5a again says, Look how far you have fallen and turn back to me. So in conclusion, I would say today you are one step closer or one step further away from keeping God as your first love. You're either one step closer or one step further away. It's up to you. We love God. Why? Because He first loved us. We love others because God loves us. And we show God love by giving Him top priority in our lives 24-7. So I'll leave you with this. Without a love relationship with God, you will never know true love. I'm not saying that you haven't experienced love, people showing love to you. But unless you are a believer in God and you have accepted Jesus Christ who sacrificed his sin that no matter how bad a person you've been and no matter how much you have wrecked your life and wrecked the life of others, you can go to him and he will forgive you and he died for you because he loves you. Make sure before you leave today that God is your first love. If you need to confess, confess. If you need to repent, repent. But if you are good, then praise God for it. Help somebody else who isn't. God, thank you so much for this service today. And it's my prayer as we have this invitation. If there's anyone here today that wants to know you as their first love, that they have, they have not accepted you as their Savior and Lord and understand your forgiveness, and they want to experience that first love of somebody loving them with no strings attached, but have loved them sacrificially to the point of you giving your life for us, Lord. May they come forward. I will pray with them and they can start their new first love relationship today. But maybe there are many here today that have been in church all their lives, but they just know they're not as close as they should be. That they've let some things come in. May you reveal them to them and pinpoint them so they confess them and repent from them and return to you. Maybe someone wants to come to the altar and pray or join the church to be baptized, whatever the decision may be. I promise you, if you want to make a decision today and you come forward, we will rejoice. And if you don't want to come by yourself, somebody will come with you. But don't let this be the day that God reminded you to return to Him and you disobeyed. God, may you work and may you get the glory. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. Would you please stand?